Look, Ma, no hands. Are you ready for the driverless car? I got to try one. This is exciting and scary. Scary because it's not natural to just sit here and let the car drive. This car is the Tesla S, the closest thing to a totally driverless car that consumers can buy now. I had to leave my state to test it. New York's archaic laws forbid taking both hands off the wheel. But once we were out of New York, the Tesla rep had me turn on the autopilot. All right, so I'm doing nothing. The car is driving itself. And this truck is coming, I'm scared. It takes time to get comfortable with having the car make decisions. In this tunnel, I was especially nervous. This is terrifying. I'm breathing heavily here. It turned out I was right to be scared. Now, what happened there? The car drifted left. My left wheel hit the side of the tunnel. When you pulled the wheel, you disengaged the autopilot. Sorry, ah, I wasn't okay. looking. You gotta tell when me you... that. Touching the brake or wheel takes the car out of autopilot. But once I learned how the car works, I found not driving is pretty cool, though weird. This is not natural, but it does work. It drives itself, and it's safer than me. Safety is the big reason we should welcome these cars. 94% of people killed in car crashes are killed because of human error. The computer in this car would prevent many of those deaths. Here, the sensors see that I'm coming up on another car. I won't run into this car. It'll slow me down. Yeah, it already has. If I want to change lanes, just signal. It'll change lanes without me. Yes, it just does. And it stays in the lane. Then we sped up to 65 miles per hour and the road turned sharply. <sighs> that was scary. I didn't think it would turn, but it does. This car is only partly driverless. It can't go on and off highways, for example. But soon it will do everything. People are going to be reading the paper. Actually, not a good idea, John. I'd appreciate it if you take it off. He stopped me because state laws say the driver must always be in control. What if I go to sleep? You'd be breaking the law. You need to remain in control of the vehicle at all times. But soon, if regulators allow it, technology will let us relax in our cars. And that could change our lives. It'll save lives and create more relaxing commutes. Now I'm in stop and go traffic and the car will go without my... Yes, it will. Also, there will be fewer traffic jams because robots react quickly to danger. Cars will be able to drive closer together. So more cars will fit on the same road. It'll be great, says economist James Miller. I could imagine an ad saying, computers crash, you're gonna trust your life to a machine? People know that machines are better at people at a lot of tasks. Still, that idea of some machine trusting it with my life. Well, I mean, our brains are basically machines, and but they're not machines that are optimized for going 65 miles an hour. The military is making all kinds of robots. They call this one the Wildcat. These will soon deliver supplies or rescue soldiers. Some robots will be used to kill. Already robots have changed life at some Japanese hotels. Welcome to the Hanel Hotel. This dinosaur is a front desk clerk chosen to appeal to kids. They have all types. Another robot stores your luggage for you. This one takes it to your room. And when you get there, there's no key. 
the door recognizes your face through facial recognition software. This saves money. This hotel's cheaper than other hotels nearby. But it's cheaper because it employs fewer people. When robots do this work, fewer receptionists will get jobs here. Military robots will replace soldiers. Driverless cars will put taxi and truck drivers out of work. Maybe I'll lose my job to this guy. I will take your job, John. I'm smarter than you. People are going to lose their jobs. They'll have nothing to do. Well, you're right. Some people will lose their jobs, but other people will get jobs. Whenever there's been innovation, experts predicted that employment will decline. But the experts can't imagine the new jobs. Walmart will undoubtedly fire some truck drivers because their trucks drive themselves. But this is going to cause Walmart to lower their prices. Those savings will bring new opportunity. Don't believe it? Well, remember that 200 years ago, most Americans worked on farms. 90% used to work on farms, now less than 2%. Yeah. You'd think all those people would be out of work. A lot of people lost their jobs for a little bit of time, but then they found new jobs, and they found jobs doing things that were more productive, and that's how our economy grows. We forget how hard it was to grow food without tractors and other modern machines. Farm work was long and dangerous. We look back at horses and buggies. We saw the car displacing the horses, buggies, and buggy whips, but we don't lament that passage, do we? The blacksmiths of old probably had to figure out something else to do. They all found jobs. The economy evolves. It's an evolving ecosystem. But some don't want it to evolve. These cab drivers demand that government protect their jobs. What do we want? Regulation. But what would the world look like if government did protect jobs? Flushing toilets and plumbing has taken away my job. This parody video mocks the idea. I spent hundreds of thousands on my VHS inventory. Now what am I going to do with it? Save the milkman. There are many industries needing taxpayers' support. Progress is taking our jobs. Protect black birthing people. Have you noticed how language is changing? Birthing people. Birthing people. At this Zoom congressional hearing, most every speaker said, instead of mothers, birthing people. Birthing people. Why? Here's President Biden's budget director. We think our language needs to be more inclusive. In the name of inclusion, activists are changing other words. Equality is now equity. Mistress is companion or lover. Affirmative action is diversity. And now speech can be violence. The transgender woman of color walking down the street and being called a man is an act of violence. One of the most pernicious things about the, the social justice control of language is this, this use of the word violence to describe language. Tim Sandifer of the Goldwater Institute. But the only way that we have as human beings to deal with one another is through language, through discussion, debate, deliberation. And if we say that that's a form of violence, then the only way left for us to relate to one another is through power. You're white. Why should anybody listen to you about this? Because what I say has or doesn't have merit on its own. One of the big problems with the social justice movement is the idea that people's mindset is controlled by their skin color. And that, although it may be called anti-racism in today's world, is just plain old, old-fashioned racism. Racism is another word redefined to mean many things. At a conference, this so-called anti-racist author was asked to define racism. I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. 
he couldn't define the term. She uses the word to define the word. I could define racism. Racism means to mistreat people on the basis of their skin color or their race. We're in a situation where it can be really hard for us to talk to each other because we don't know what the words we're using mean. Linguist John McWhorter calls woke racism a new illogical religion that misleads. You learn that the idea is that where there are white and black disparities, we're supposed to call that phenomenon racism in the same way as Archie Bunker was racist. The country is going straight into the dumper. <laughs> and it never fully holds together to anybody who really keeps thinking about it. My writer's room is all Latinx. I, I use the term Latinx because Latinx is a gender inclusive term. A Latinx is social justice manipulation of language. The, the term Latino originated in the 1970s as a reaction led by Hispanic people themselves. So they chose the word Latino or Latina. And now here's a largely white, largely middle-class movement of social justice activists coming along and telling other people, no, no, you can't make distinctions in gender that way. What do you mean it's largely white? I think the social justice movement in general is a largely white, upper middle class, college educated movement. You hardly find anybody who is actually in the Hispanic community who prefers the term Latinx. It's hard to keep up with what's okay and what's newly forbidden. For 10 years, a law professor's exam on employment discrimination included the N-word printed this way. But this year, a group of black students decided that they had been injured by seeing that on paper. One of them claimed that they had heart palpitations. I had to seek counsel immediately after the exam to calm myself. The reason they're doing it is not because they're bad people. They're doing it because claiming that kind of victimhood gives them a sense of belonging, a sense of togetherness. The students demanded the professor be punished, and he was. He's been suspended from teaching, all in the name of social justice. Social justice seeks to redistribute wealth and power between groups to suit what some political authority thinks is the right outcome. That's a cheap shot. Social justice just means it's time to pay attention to the minorities that who never got justice. No, that's just ordinary old-fashioned justice. Social justice tries to take a step from that and say, no, what we're going to do is reorganize how people live their lives. We're going to take away uh, jobs from some people and give them to other people that we prefer. We're going to silence some groups that have heard, been heard more often. It's a beautiful thing, the destruction of words. In George Orwell's book, 1984, the characters speak this funny language called newspeak. Double plus good, eh? that's invented by the state in order to keep them from thinking bad thoughts at all. I didn't think there's a single piece of meat in this, Stu. Tastes like meat. Isn't meat at all. Double plus good. And the idea is that it will control people's very mindsets and prevent them from even imagining freedom. That's the road that we're headed down, I think, with this social justice movement. No justice! No peace! That's why he and McWhorter say, Enlightened America needs to develop a backbone and start getting used to being called racist on Twitter and just withstanding it and keeping their voices out there and making us understand what true justice is. Socialism is responsible for 100 million deaths more people than fascism. A single rocket hitting the center of the city killed 11 people. It also increases poverty. 
So why does it appeal to so many people? Democratic socialism is about... Young politicians say socialism will help the poor. That in a modern, moral, and wealthy society, no person in America should be too poor to live. That's what I think. That seems simple. Seems pretty simple. Don't they know that socialism creates more poverty? The oil-rich country is now leading Latin America in what is called acute malnutrition. Even people who understand that socialism is bad for the economy may not know that socialism almost always leads to violence. 120 people were killed during 2017. Why does socialism lead to violence? Socialism gives absolute power to the state. No one is allowed to own private property or trade. Yet everywhere under socialism, people still do. Marianne is able to find a listing for diapers. The black market online price is almost $10 cheaper. People have to trade in the black market to survive, but then government gets violent. They throw some of them in jail. My father was a political prisoner for almost a decade because he's in his 20s sold soaps and perfumes and did not want to relinquish all his profits to the government. Capitalism sucks. Today in America, capitalism is vilified. But if capitalism is so bad, why hasn't there been a mass, mass exodus out of America because of capitalism? I'm sorry, you just don't see it. Socialism is like the perfect, perfect excuse for someone who wants to rule an authoritarian regime. As people rebel against government controls, the politicians, to preserve their power, use violence to stop them. And they threw me on the floor and they started kicking me. They tortured him, asking, who organized the protests? How did you answer? I said, the people are just tired of Daniel Ortega. Ortega has governed Nicaragua for 22 of the last 39 years. In Nicaragua, people have again fallen for Daniel Ortega and his socialist promises. But under his policies, Nicaragua has gone from one of Central America's safest countries to one of the most dangerous. In Venezuela, where there are similar protests, this man was a major in Caracas. The Minister of Interior Affairs was calling me several times a week asking me to use the police department that I was in charge of uh, to go against protests in Chacao. The mayor refused to have his police punish the protesters, so he was threatened with jail. He then escaped to America. Why do you think Venezuela followed the same path when we had Cuba's example for decades and it was terrible? Yeah, well, it seems to me we are not able to learn. They will always be dreaming about the future and never delivering. And people keep falling in love with that kind of crap. They do. Socialism repeatedly leads to violence. And yet, around the world, people praise it. I don't think they realize how deep socialism is involved in all that. This man socialism. fled Nicaragua. He understands. America is a great country, and people really don't appreciate it much. They should travel a little more to poor countries to really get a feeling for what they have here in the United States. Look around, just look around, you know, and really get some knowledge. This SpaceX launch almost didn't happen.
minutes before the government told SpaceX the launch would violate your license. Faster and faster, Starship's picking up speed here. But SpaceX launched anyway. SpaceX got away with it. And later the government actually bragged about relaxing rules. The Federal Aviation Administration is making one giant leap for paperwork relief. Relief? No, just a few months later. Hold, hold, hold. They halted another launch because an aircraft was in the keep out zone. But is that even a reasonable rule? Elon Musk, who runs SpaceX, called that zone unreasonably gigantic. He tweeted, the regulatory system is broken and there's simply no way humanity can become a space-faring civilization without reform. Regulations are immortal. They never die unless somebody actually goes and kills them. Musk also broke rules to make Tesla the huge success it is. He supports regulation, he says, but government goes too far. It can overregulate industries to the point where innovation becomes very difficult. The body of regulation for cars could like fill this room. It is both kind of funny, but also kind of scary that he doesn't understand regulation. The media missed the point as usual. Musk understands regulations. He just knows he cannot innovate if he obeys all of them. He flaunts his breaking SEC rules, once tweeting, SEC stands for suck Elons. Elon knows how to mix it up with regulators. I gotta hand it to him. Adam Thurer writes about evasive entrepreneurs and their innovations. But a less successful entrepreneur might be crushed for doing something like that. That's exactly right. Think about the story of 23andMe. Discover your DNA. When they came out with genetic testing by mail, they didn't go and get a permission slip from the Food and Drug Administration to do it. They just started providing that service. After the FDA notice, they ordered 23andMe. Stop altogether. Take the product off the market. And 23andMe was off the market for more than a year. More importantly, the rest of the genetic testing by mail market kind of dried up because the smaller players saw what the government did and said, well, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Maybe the only way to succeed today is to break the rules. The only way to go out and do something new is to just try doing it. She uses a digital system called Night Scout. Night Scout did that. Her son has type 1 diabetes. Night Scout was created by parents whose children have diabetes. Their hashtag is hashtag we are not waiting. What are they not waiting for? They're not waiting for Food and Drug Administration to approve new insulin monitoring and delivery devices. Instead, they went out and started building them themselves. These devices were better than the professional regulatory approved devices. Do these dads belong in jail? I certainly hope not. Everywhere you look in America today, there are people pushing up against really crazy laws and regulations. Like the volunteer engineers who've been using desktop 3D printers to make prosthetic devices. They're providing a solution that the larger medical device companies have not been able to address. I saw children go up to people who did this and say, can you make me an Iron Man hand or a Wolverine claw hand? And instantly on the spot, it was fabricated. This time, the FDA let them. I don't think the FDA wants to get the bad PR associated with stopping children from getting free new prosthetic hands if they need them. But it only happened because they did it without permission. These innovations come out of nowhere. The problem is law sometimes blocks all of that and says, thou shall not until you get a permission slip. And that's the death. That's the death of entrepreneurialism and innovation. Electric scooter companies didn't ask for permission either. This is fast. They just put the scooters out for ride sharing 
without begging regulators first. Electric-powered scooters, street legal. Going around the regulators is also how we got the great ride-sharing services. Uber and Lyft, they are like drug cartels. They are illegal. Called illegal because some places, taxi companies and regulators had passed safety rules that pretty much made competition illegal. So Uber and Lyft never asked bureaucrats for approval. They just released their apps. And by the time these protests began, Uber and Lyft had so many happy customers that they could fight back when clueless politicians like New York's Mayor de Blasio moved to limit them. They even recoded the Uber app overnight to offer a little option at the bottom of the slider that was called de Blasio mode. And when you slid over to it, there were no cars. They said, this is what will happen if Mayor de Blasio gets his way. And almost overnight, that political dynamic shifted. Having a good one? We have choices and we love them. And we're not going back. Some people are now experimenting with drone-like hoverboards. Things like drones and driverless cars, this offers society enormous benefits that we don't want to forego because our regulators say, well, it doesn't fit into our regular, you know, regulatory playbook. Well, too bad. The playbook needs to change. If he went down, likely he'd hit somebody, a lot of people there. Obviously, John, there need to be some guidelines and even some rules about where people can do things like stand on a flying drone. Some regulation is useful. The alternative isn't no rules. If a product is dangerous, it can be recalled. You can be sued, but don't treat innovators as guilty until proven innocent. It's easier to notice how absurd regulators could be if you look at old regulations. The Walkman. When the Walkman came out, one town in New Jersey banned wearing them in public. You couldn't wear headphones because it may be a danger to yourself. Sometimes laws stop making sense because societies and technologies change. Governments need to adapt. Making more hand sanitizer than moonshine. Look at what happened post-COVID, right? After the lockdowns hit, all sorts of people started doing really interesting entrepreneurial things to try to just help each other out. And why was it illegal for a distillery or a brewery to offer their own hand sanitizer? We could probably make and give away a thousand gallons a day. We also have deliveries of alcohol now and pick up cocktails to go. Delivered in under 60 minutes. The sky hasn't fallen. We heard for a hundred years, we can't have that. The children will get them and get drunk. No, those laws needed to change, but only because people evaded the system and said the system's broken. Enough with it. The system changed. People like it when politicians say they'll protect us from big business, but... Big business and big government are not enemies like a lot of people think they are. Tim Carney reports on how big business gets together with big government to grab your money. But people think of them as opponents. Because politicians always talk as if what they want to do is rein in big business. Break up the big corporations. Massive corporations. Concentrated economic power in the hands of a few corporations. So they grow government to rein in corporations without realizing that. When government gets bigger, whether it's through spending or taxes or regulation, the big guys, big business benefits. Consider the $15 minimum wage. How does that help big business? Well, take a look at an Amazon warehouse. It's crawling with robots. Like a marching army of ants that can constantly change its goals based on the situation at hand. Being automated allows Amazon to use fewer workers 
and those it does need tend to be more skilled. No wonder Amazon likes to grab publicity by filming themselves announcing. Establishing a new Amazon minimum wage of $15 an hour. <laughs> Changing the minimum wage to 15, um, you, uh, that's a much more powerful thing to do. The problem is he doesn't want to just pay his own workers $15 an hour. He wants government to force every employer to pay it. Walmart and Costco lobby for that too. They try to outlaw other business models, smaller businesses that might not be as efficient. That's what a lot of mom and pop stores are. Customer service, one of the biggest reasons that you go to mom and pop shops. You might have reason to prefer mom and pop, even if they're slightly more expensive. You might like the guy behind the counter. These customers of ours have become our family. You might want to try to pick up the hammer before you buy it instead of just ordering it online. Capitalism is a cutthroat thing, but this isn't capitalism. When you turn to government to regulate your competitors out of business, that's where we need to say, no, this is wrong. Maybe you're being too cynical. Maybe Bezos really just does want people to be paid more. If Jeff Bezos wants people to be paid more, he can pay people more. But what Bezos is trying to do is outlaw competing business practices. There should be more um, guidance and regulation. Facebook's founder also asks for more regulation. We don't want private companies making so many decisions about how to balance social equities without a more democratic process. He's calling for a mandate that platforms impose some sort of artificial intelligence to weed out misinformation or hate speech. Well, Facebook can afford that. But Zuckerberg's small competitors, sites like Odyssey, which runs on cryptocurrency, free speech rumble, and the upstart parlor would struggle to pay thousands of content moderators and the expensive artificial intelligence that Congress may require. New social media may never even start. Regulation doesn't just kill existing businesses, it keeps new businesses from ever entering. The Consumer Product Safety Improvement Act. When the big toy maker Mattel was caught selling toys that contained lead, they lobbied Congress to force toy makers to do independent lead testing or face stiff penalties. It sounds like it's fair to everybody and protects kids. If you're trying to test 1,000 Barbie dolls, that might be fairly efficient. But if you are a grandpa who's making little wooden handmade toys, you have to hire some third-party tester. That could cost you $1,000 and you're not gonna sell your wooden toy for $1,000. It effectively outlawed handmade toys. That left small toy makers. Trying to figure out which lines they're going to have to trim because they can't afford testing. Protests over that got regulators to exempt toy makers who make fewer than 7,500 toys a year. But you better not make more. We thought Mattel was being the good guy by saying, let's have some rules. Oh my gosh, Mattel wants to be regulated. They must care about safety. But maybe what they did is they said, well, this is our opportunity through regulation to kill some of our competitors. A Masters of the Universe collection from Mattel. Big businesses have long pushed for more regulations. Henry Heinz was a century ahead of his time. The inventor of Heinz Ketchup did it. What Heinz realized was that if he used modern technology, back then that was refrigerated rail cars, that he could get fresher tomatoes, and therefore he could make a ketchup that didn't rely on sodium benzoate as an artificial preservative. Sir Heinz, here, taste it. 
and everybody loved Heinz ketchup and it rose up to be about half of the market. But sometimes people who are half of the market want to be all of the market. So Heinz himself started lobbying to outlaw sodium benzoate. A preservative which Heinz competitors used. Heinz said it wasn't safe, but it is. It's still used in foods like these. Nevertheless, Henry Heinz almost got those products banned. He almost got Teddy Roosevelt on board, which would have outlawed all of his competition. Sometimes businessmen hate nothing more than competition. No business likes competition, but competition is what helps us consumers most. When big business and big government work together, watch out. Are you allowed to carry a gun for safety? The Supreme Court's weighing in on that. The issue? Whether the government must let residents carry a handgun in public. I know a little about this conflict because I once tried to get a carry permit in my town. They didn't make it easy. This is 50 pages. The form says I must promise I know the definition of other weapons like metal knuckle knife, a kung fu star. I don't want a kung fu star. I just want a gun for safety. It took hours just to fill out the forms. Then you have to go in person to police headquarters. Here they fingerprinted me, asked me to give reasons why I should be allowed to have a gun, and they charged me a $430 application fee. Half a year later, they told me, no, you may not have a carry permit. They said I could try again if I could prove a special need for a gun. And I tried that. I showed them threats on my life. Not good enough, they said later. Yet other people got permits. Big celebrities got them. So did the politically connected. Friends of the ruling class, that's who gets it. Everyone else, you're out of luck. I wasn't famous enough. But I probably would have gotten a permit if I had bribed the cops in the permit department. Turned out they were taking lavish gifts in exchange for gun permits. So were some politically connected lawyers like this man. And a man with police connections was caught offering cops as much as $6,000 to issue gun permits without doing background checks. In other places, a political contribution got people permits. Scams like that thrive whenever politicians pass too many laws. And wait, why do such restrictions even exist? I thought the Supreme Court already ruled that all Americans have the right to have a gun. The high court voted five to four that firearms are essential for self-defense no matter where people live. But many other courts have thumbed their nose at that Supreme Court ruling. That's why Alan Gottlieb and his Second Amendment Foundation support this new case. Robert Nash and Brendan Koch sued after they were denied permits and that case has now reached the Supreme Court. You're excited about this. Yeah, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Court watchers predict his side will win, especially because there are more originalist judges on the court. So it's likely that soon more Americans will legally be able to carry guns. Of course, lots of people say that will be terrible. No more silence and gun violence. Women are less safe when there are more guns. Every vulnerable population, be it LGBT people, students of color, uh, has more to fear. Actually, data on new gun owners shows that many minorities and women believe having a gun gives them less to fear. There's an awful lot of women out there that bought firearms to protect themselves and feel a whole lot safer. 
And here's another common argument against people owning guns. The more guns we have, the less safe we all are. And we are the laughing stock of the world. We are the laughing stock of the world. Well, I think there's an awful lot of people in, around the world that wish they had the freedom we have in America and have a second amendment. 800,000 times a year, a person uses a firearm to protect themselves. If you call 911, they usually get there after the crime is over and fill out the paperwork. And it's true in prisons, felons have always told me what they feared most was not the police but a victim who might be armed. When you're going to rob somebody you don't know, it makes it harder because you don't know what to expect out of them. Often just showing the pistol is enough to protect yourself. Just a mere presence of the gun stops the crime from happening. And yet, compared to other countries, there is more gun crime here. There's more crime of all sorts here compared to many other countries. We have a lot of social, economic, cultural reasons why. I mean to kill you in one minute, Ned. America has always been different. The frontier attracted people with guns. And even today, all the Americas have higher murder rates. Yet there's also evidence that given America's culture, allowing all people to carry guns reduces crime. Over the last decades, most states switched from banning carrying guns to allowing it. And as they did, violent crime went down, especially telling in each state, crime dropped right after they changed the law. Gottlieb says that's because an armed society is a polite society. I didn't believe that until I started researching gun crime, but now I think it's true. More guns does generally mean less crime. People love to hate Ayn Rand. You are out to destroy almost every edifice in the contemporary American way of life. 60 years to the day after Atlas Shrugged was published, people still feel compelled to pan her. Ayn Rand became famous for her philosophy of objectivism, which is a nice way of saying being a selfish Atlas Shrugged and Rand's other books are about many such self-interested people. Mr. Reardon, you wouldn't want it misunderstood that you work for nothing but your own profit. Indeed, I want it understood clearly. And how does that benefit your fellow man? Thousands of jobs, billions in revenue, fueling our economy despite your efforts to destroy the very foundation of our existence. Rand argued that even if entrepreneurs and creators are selfish, so what? They create opportunities for others. They never got that. But I'm glad these people do. They love Rand's heroes. They had an idea. People told them, you can't do that. That's too selfish. That's too out of the ordinary. They did it anyways, and they're successful. So being selfish themselves, in the end, helped out a lot of people. Through um, you know, me wanting to make more money, I may create an invention that make, you know, may uh, improve the standard of living for millions and millions of people. These young people are part of an organization called Turning Point USA, a group that tries to get Atlas Shrugged read more on campuses. We're on over 1,100 college and high school campuses across the country. But the campuses are not listening to you or you're a tiny fraction of the political discussion. You would be surprised at how big the following is and how much appetite there is actually for this. Atlas describes an America where government passes so many rules that most of the economy just shuts down. That idea horrified people who like regulation. 
I find it abhorrent. I really do. Why was the left so enraged by it? Because she was and is effective. She wasn't talking about economics in terms of practical good. She was talking about your having a right to your own life. Jennifer Grossman of the Atlas Society loves seeing young people discover a new way to think about things. I'm a Peace Corps baby. I was raised in a community where I had never seen a conservative except in caricature. Libertarians were either stupid or evil. And when I went to Harvard, which was a bastion of liberalism, I actually found a couple of people who didn't fit that stereotype. So I decided I needed to go back and do some thinking. And some reading. She said she found a thousand page novel, a spiritual experience. Spiritual, it's about business. I think it's about overcoming odds. It's about not allowing people to take advantage of you and feeling bad about pursuing your own interests. The consensus of the best metallurgical authorities are highly skeptical. I'm not interested in their opinions. Then who's you go by? My own. In America, the social justice people are winning, and people who wear dollar signs on their dress are vilified. They completely marginalized Ayn Rand. They completely took this stuff out of the classroom. And now, when they're introduced to it, they freak out. In a good way, she means. People are surprised when they see how freedom-minded uh, college students are. They're socialists. They're not socialists. Admittedly, Bernie Sanders' biggest portion of his support came from young people. But our generation is split in a really ironic way. 60% think socialism is a good idea. And then 70% say they don't want to pay higher taxes and they don't trust the government. So they just don't understand what socialism really is. The first day of class, we had a student that walked in and opened his laptop. And on that laptop, there were a ton of Bernie Bro stickers and I love socialism. So the very next day, I brought to class a ton of stickers, laptop stickers that said, this laptop was brought to you by capitalism. Towards the end of the semester, I had most of the class on my side. With the help of a book that's 60 years old today. Fiction is more powerful than facts. Facts are more important, but maybe fiction does a better job teaching people what really matters. Now, part two of our myths about capitalism, starting with myth four. Free markets create unsafe workplaces. Only government through agencies like OSHA can stop that. Economist Dan Mitchell explains why that's a myth. I've had some show me charts showing, oh, look at how workplace fatalities have come down ever since OSHA was created. Well, I actually went to that same data source and I looked at the decades before OSHA was created. No wonder the bureaucrats don't show us that. Fatality rates were already going down just as fast. Why? As we become richer, we become safer. The wealth capitalism creates lets us afford safety devices and build machines to do the most dangerous work. In capitalist societies, we have cleaner water, cleaner air, better lifestyles. We need more capitalism because when people get rich, they can afford more safety. But before government protected us, I'm told unfettered capitalism created evil robber barons. Collecting great riches at the expense of workers who toiled often in dangerous conditions for little pay. 
But little pay compared to what? When we look back upon factory life 100 years ago, we think, oh, my God, that's terrible. Because by our standards today, it is terrible. But compared to toiling for 14 hours a day on a farm for half as much money, that stage of our economic development was practically nirvana. Still, most people were poor while the robber barons amassed a huge amount of wealth. Folks like John D. Rockefeller, who created the oil industry. People still call Rockefeller a robber baron, but he wasn't born rich and he didn't rob. Rockefeller got rich by inventing ways to deliver oil for less. John D. Rockefeller kept lowering the price. That's why he got more market share. No one was forced to buy his oil. And although the media implied that people suffered to support the fat cats, the entrepreneurs' innovations actually made almost everyone better off. In the 1800s, the era of the so-called robber barons, we went from agricultural poverty to a country characterized by middle-class prosperity. Cornelius Vanderbilt was another tycoon the anti-capitalist media called a robber baron. But he too was no baron, he was born poor. At age 11, he quit school to work on boats. Then he invented ways to make travel cheaper. He cut the New York Hartford fare from $5 to $1. His competitors didn't bother because they were used to friendly politicians giving them subsidies. That's not capitalism, that's corporatism. Only when politicians leave capitalism largely alone does it create wealth. Still, I hear that capitalism just isn't good for us. Capitalism is not designed to optimize our well-being. Does anyone still believe that cheaper iPhones or more Amazon deliveries of plastic garbage from China are going to make us happy? We're not buying iPhones and plastic garbage unless we think it's better for us than the dollars that we have in our bank accounts. Capitalism is the only system that gives people the liberty to make their own choices. I want liberty. However, now I'm told a robot is probably going to take your job. That's our last myth. Capitalism will take away everyone's job. 50% of the workforce being completely eliminated, as in no more jobs for them. For years, experts predicted employment will decline. But so far, it's never happened. When markets are free, some people do lose jobs. And that's hard on them and their families. If I was a typewriter builder 30 years ago, the personal computer probably destroyed my job. If I was a candle maker, electricity destroyed my job. It's upsetting when any person loses a job. But overall, capitalism creates millions more jobs. When America began, 90% of workers worked on farms. Now fewer than 2% do. Farm workers found better jobs. As long as our economy has the dynamism that free markets allow, we're gonna see more job creation, and higher income levels, and that's what makes the children and grandchildren of typewriter makers so much better off. And steering on its own. Now truck drivers rightly fear self-driving trucks. Would you, Tucker Carlson, be in favor of restrictions to use this sort of technology? Are you straight? joking? In a no, second. It... In a second. In other words, if I were president, we're not letting driverless trucks on the road, period. Support the coalition of obsolete industries. But what would happen if politicians did block innovation? This parody lays it out pretty well. I used to have to clean people's toilets, empty them from the alleyway behind the house, and now flushing toilets and plumbing has taken away my job. Electricity has taken over my profession. Well, that sounds like Tucker being worried about driverless trucks. If we don't stop progress, how will anyone ever have jobs? 
creative destruction does destroy, but what it creates is so much bigger, so much richer, and so much better for us. Better for most everyone, rich and poor. That's capitalism. That's something that we should be celebrating. No other system anywhere in the world has ever come close to capitalism's ability to generate mass prosperity. Oh good, you got this video. I'm glad because it turns out that Facebook and so on don't show us all our friends' posts. They just show us some from some of our friends. That's why I ask for your email address so we don't get cut off. Now, why might we be cut off? Well, sometimes I agree with conservatives and social media companies are accused of being biased against conservatives. Against conservatives. Bias against conservatives. Are they? All the companies say our policies apply equally to everyone. For example, you may not promote violence. But in Portland, Oregon, Antifa threw things at journalist Andy No because he criticized Antifa's violence. At one point, they beat him, kicking him and punching him in the head. The attack left No with brain damage. But the attacker's account is still up linking to their website that justifies the violence, saying, if you rally the far right to attack our city, the community will stop you however it can. So what does that tell you? That there's probably bias? <laughs> Glenn Beck runs a big media operation called The Blaze, which has millions of followers. Voices on the right being silenced. Lately, he's been charging that social media companies push a leftist agenda. They manipulate algorithms to reshape our world. Beck has not been banned, but he says Facebook has reduced his reach. You can post whatever you want. We have a little higher wall here for you. While I'm not a conservative, I have noticed some weird stuff going on. My videos average more than a million views. But when I did that one, which included some criticism of Facebook, that video got less than half as many views because Facebook didn't show it to many people? I can't know. That's secret. For those who seek to push hate. Today, social media companies are pressured to cut off anyone spreading hate. You have no place on our platforms. Now YouTube and Facebook say they even demote content that almost violates policies. We do not allow hate groups on Facebook overall. They're shaping you. As an example of how they treat some groups differently, Beck points out that Twitter and Facebook leave up Antifa accounts that promote violence. In Austin, they were actually calling for the next phase to have people be a paramilitary operation. That was up forever. It's still up. It links to a manifesto calling for their opponents to be beaten bloody, annihilated. By contrast, Beck says conservative accounts are censored merely for making fun of Democrats. The opportunity to do something historic. Remember the person who slowed down Pelosi? And they were outed, outed. Facebook did say, we dramatically reduced its distribution. The person who is in charge happened to be one of the leaders in Nancy Pelosi's office, who had just left Nancy Pelosi's office to go to work. Well, did that play a role? They must hire some Republicans they too. They do, but it's about 20% and they're not from 
top-level positions. Zuckerberg met with 15 conservative leaders. Facebook once invited Beck and others to discuss accusations that Facebook censors conservatives. Sitting with Zuckerberg, who is either not really running his company, is naive, or a liar. I don't know which. Um, but uh, uh, I sat with him, and he said, why would we do that? Why would we do that? And Okay, I agree with you. I want to believe you. Why okay? would they tick off? Half Why would the they country? tick off half of the people, you know? And so I want to believe him. However, your actions don't match. Beck was also unhappy with some of his fellow conservatives. There were some conservatives that were there who said, well, Mark, you can solve this by basically having affirmative action, making sure that for every liberal you hire, you hire. I don't want that. Was there any talk about saying, look, we're just a platform. We shouldn't be doing any of this. We should just run everything no. that nobody even brought it no. up. And it bothers me that there are so many conservatives that want more regulation. We don't need more regulation. But it's human nature. Whenever we see something we don't like to say, government must do something. Even Beck fell prey to that. Remember when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez visited the border and claimed she saw immigrants? Being told by CBP officers to drink out of the toilet. Beck was so upset by that, he said she should be punished. I would like to prosecute anyone who is making outrageous charges like this. So you want prosecution of God, one of the 500 members of Congress who says so, nonsense? Half of them say I nonsense. Mean, John, first of all, I speak five hours off script <laughs> okay. every day. <laughs> so you're not stuff. eager to prosecute no. Cortez? No. No. I'm glad he walked that back. Truth comes out through argument, open debate. The more social media companies censor, the less we learn. On at least some platforms, all speech should be free. And I'm glad Beck agreed with that. You would have them publish everything. Stop all this censorship. Yes. Just let people say whatever. Yep. yep. We can handle it. Stop treating us like children. Hope you like these videos. They're free, but they're not cheap. Please help us make more. Click on that button. Everywhere. People trash capitalism. No system has redistributed wealth from the poor to the rich as effectively as our own. I call it slavery by another name. But what they think they know about capitalism is often wrong. In this video and the next, we'll bust seven myths about capitalism. No one ever makes a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. That's myth one. Capitalists get rich by taking money from others. Jeff Bezos has what, $100 billion? Yeah, his wealth is making a lot of people poor. People assume that because they think... We have a finite amount of money. A finite amount. So when they win, you lose. But that's not true. Because entrepreneurs create new wealth. Research shows that when they got rich... They only kept 2.2% of the additional wealth they generated for the economy. Economist Dan Mitchell. In other words, the rest of us captured almost 98% of the benefits. Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. Yes, Steve Jobs kept billions. But by creating Apple, he gave us more. So many new jobs. 
and he added billions to our economy, all by creating tech that makes our lives better. I hope that we get a hundred new super billionaires because that means that there's a hundred new people who have figured out ways to make the rest of our lives better off. Let's abolish billionaires. This former labor secretary says entrepreneurs like Jeff Bezos would be just as motivated by say a hundred million or even $50 million. Ooh. But he misses the most important fact about capitalism. I'm not giving Jeff Bezos any money unless he's selling me something that I value more than that money. Billionaires. No one deserves to have that much money. None of these zillionaires needs that much money. If you put a cap on how much money someone can make, are they going to continue innovating? No. Maybe you just decide to take it easy. You retire. You sell a yacht around the world. You're going to start consuming instead of saving and producing. When I say things like that, people call me a complete moron and tweet more money in the richest hands means money sitting in the bank doing nothing. But that's an ignorant view of banks in reality. That money gets lent out. Which allows other people to build businesses, buy homes, get educated. New machinery, tools, factories, equipment, technology. Still, we hear the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer. That's myth too. The truth is that the poor and middle class are getting richer too. The economic pie grows. We are much richer than our grandparents and our grandparents were much richer than their grandparents. For thousands of years, the world had almost no wealth creation. Then some countries tried capitalism. You can see that per capita GDP is climbing and climbing and climbing. Capitalists helped everyone, including the poor. They do by bringing cheaper and better food to my supermarket. They do it by providing better goods and services. So high tech, it could only come from Motorola. Look how communications changed. 25 years ago, phones looked like this. Then we got the Blackberry, the iPhone. Way smarter than any mobile device has ever been. Now we have cheap smartphones. When the media say the middle class is in decline, America's middle class is in decline. Well, they're right. But they miss why it's shrinking because more and more people are moving into those upper income quintiles. The rich get richer in a capitalist society. But guess what? The rest of us get richer as well. The average family today is almost a third richer than 40 years ago because capitalists compete to get our dollars. Of course, this assumes there's competition. But I'm told that's no longer true. In fact, I'm a miserable, selfish pig for not saying that monopolies destroyed the free market. Some Republicans and Democrats say that's why tech companies must be broken up. Calling Facebook, Amazon and Apple all monopolies. But are they really monopolies? We do have monopolies. The government school system, the postal service. Monopolies are almost always a creation of government intervention. Blocking competition, for example. Keeping your phone system the best in the world. Government granted Ma Bell a monopoly on phone calls. And in 30 years, their phones went from this to, well, just this. Always improving. That's the Bell system for you. A short phone call costs $17. Ma Bell got away with that because government banned competition. In a free market economy, it's impossible to have a monopoly because if somebody manages to get a lot of market share and they try to raise prices, new competitors are gonna spring up 
and they're going to draw away the customers. That happened to Blockbuster. It charged late fees. Netflix promised no late fees. Blockbuster soon went out of business. But people say today's tech companies are uniquely powerful. No one can compete with them. I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine. I don't use Google. But guess what? Even if I used Google and Facebook for 10 hours a day, no one's holding a gun to my head. They're, they're obviously providing something of value. Heck, they're providing free search engines, free social media. Just 14 years ago, people called MySpace a monopoly. Then Facebook proved them wrong. Our government once called U.S. Steel, Pan Am, IBM, Internet Explorer, and Kodak monopolies. That's something to consider next time you hear. Big tech are the robber barons of the 21st century. Robber barons like Rockefeller and Vanderbilt. But what we think about them is mostly a myth too. In my next video, four other myths about capitalism. You must be protected from my videos, says this Frenchman. Amazingly, Facebook lets him censor me. Temperature is rising. We produced this video about climate change titled, Are We Doomed? Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We're not doomed, said these scientists. It's all about harm waving, it's about emotion, about sending out kids in protest. Now Facebook won't show you that video because so-called fact-checker Emmanuel Vincent told Facebook that it contains partly false information. All the climate scientists that I know personally, they agree that climate change is real. But wait, our video said climate change is real. But Vincent found scientists who disagreed with some of what we said. Only one would agree to be interviewed, Patrick Brown. What I took issue with was like the sea level claim. Brown didn't like that these scientists said that America can adjust to rising sea levels by doing things like building dikes to hold water back like Holland has. You acknowledge that the water is rising. Yes, water has been rising for approximately 20,000 years. To me, when I watch that video, what I hear is that Sea levels have been rising at a pretty constant rate forever. It's very small. It's not a big deal. And we will, you know, adapt. That's not the mainstream view. Brown says sea levels could eventually rise 200 feet. But you're citing an extreme. If I mean, obviously, if sea levels rose 200 feet, that would be a huge problem. But the IPCC doesn't consider that likely. I mean, I don't know if they assess sea level rise out to a thousand years, but that's what that's what I'm talking about. A thousand years. They censor me because of what might happen in a thousand years. My video also questioned the claim that hurricanes are getting stronger and stronger. The winds are getting harder and harder. No, they aren't. You can take a look at all the hurricanes that around the planet. We can see them since 1970 because we got global satellite coverage right. and we can measure their power and there is no significant increase whatsoever. Misleads viewers, said Vincent, but his own reviewer told me. And that's true. We don't see a, a change in hurricane frequency. That's consensus opinion. Yet Vincent still censors me for reporting it. I think that's wrong that you, that, uh, you were criticized for saying that. The IPCC, they don't claim that they're increasing. 
They don't claim that droughts are increasing. They don't claim that floods are increasing. Later, Brown emailed us saying the problem is omission of contextual information rather than facts being wrong. Oh, so their fact check wasn't about actual facts. You get kind of flagged for being, you know, downplaying that it's a problem at all. But I didn't do that. Again, our video said the temperature has been rising and it's predicted to keep rising. It's a problem. What's wrong with saying that? There's nothing wrong with saying that. It's a tonal thing, I guess. So I'm censored because he doesn't like my tone? Our facts were right. We've posted this document on johnstossel.com listing our sources and answering the censor's claims. Look, there are children who are frightened that they're going to drown and young adults who aren't having babies because they think climate change is going to end the world. So there is a fair amount of alarmism out there. And I agree. I get emails from people. Is it worth it to have a kid to bring them up in this terrible world that's going to be, you know, destroyed by climate change? And I'm so scared about, you know, famine in my lifetime. I just reply that says and say, you know, look, the reports don't say that. So we should have more debates. Yes, yes. But Vincent's group, which he calls Climate Feedback, censors debate. At least this time, his censors watched my video. Previously, they had Facebook censor this video on wildfires, even though they hadn't watched it. One of their reviewers admitted that that was a problem. If this is implying that the, we have reviewed the video, then this is clearly wrong. That video argued that climate change had less effect on wildfires than bad forest management. Forests that were well managed have survived the megafires. That too is totally accurate, said reviewer Brown. You emphasize forest management and I think that's totally legitimate. I got smeared by climate feedback anyway. And I have no way to fight back. And Facebook just lets them do this. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is in terms of, uh, you know, policing information. What kills me is that when climate feedback rates me partly false, that significantly reduces the number of people who see it and see my other videos. Yes, climate feedback censorship crushes all my videos. When they repeatedly rate things false, Facebook reduces all video distribution. So this is really important to me that it be done fairly. I am sympathetic with what you're saying. At the same time, as a consumer of information, I like the idea of having some type of system where, you know, content can be compared to what experts think. Il nous faut des centaines de milliers potentiellement de scientifiques dans le réseau. Now Vincent plans to grow his group and censor YouTube and Twitter too. Climate feedback's eager to scare people about climate change, so governments will spend money on it. What happens with groups like climate feedback is that they're looking at uh, emissions and nothing happens uh, policy-wise. And so then they develop this bias towards we really need to, you know, fact check something that goes against the narrative. Anyone saying there's no climate emergency will be censored. Now, climate feedback does occasionally also criticize alarmism. If it's ridiculous enough, like this New York Magazine cover story suggesting climate change would make the earth uninhabitable. 
But the censors ignore lots of alarmist hysteria like Time Magazine's The World on Fire. There were three times as many fact checks on skeptics as on alarmists. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you then. I think that that's, uh, I think that's wrong. They should be fact checking the alarmist side just as much. But Vincent doesn't. And because of that, Facebook now hides many of my videos from you. How dare you? If you want to keep seeing our videos, please sign up for my email list. Just click that link. Then once a week, we'll email you our new video. And that way, we're not at the mercy of Facebook or any other social media company.